Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm L.A. Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. Hi, everybody. Today, we are talking about how to be a happier parent. We have KJ Del Antonia on the podcast today. Let me share her bio so you can be super impressed. She is a writer and regular contributor to the New York Times, where she wrote and edited the Motherload blog from 2011 until 2016, and was a contributing editor to the Well Family section from 2016 to 2017. Prior to this, she was one of Slate's XX Factor bloggers and contributor to Slate, where she covered parenting and a broad range of subjects from legal issues to pop culture. KJ lives in Lyme, New Hampshire with her husband and four children. Her new book is How to Be a Happier Parent, Raising a Family, Having a Life, and Loving Almost Every Minute. It's on sale August 21st, but you can pre-order it now. Stick around to the end of the episode and you will hear about the special like treats you get if you pre-order. Also, I am going to be sharing a bunch of suggestions that I got on Instagram and Facebook from all of you about what your number one tip would be for how to be a happier parent. So I'll be sharing those at the end, but let's go ahead and uh, give KJ a ring in New Hampshire. KJ, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. Is summer in New Hampshire as dreamy as it sounds? Thank you for having me. And mostly, yes, it is. It's kind of it's a little dreary today, but by and large, it's green and luscious and um, rarely too hot. And yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good deal. Okay. So you write that each chapter of How to Be a Happier Parent focuses on a single challenge spot for parents. And you pull in research and insights from a survey that you did with over a thousand mothers, right? Uh, parents, not just mothers. Oh, right. Parents, over a thousand parents. But as a mother of four, you must know all of these challenge spots intimately. So we'd love to hear a little bit about your family. Can you introduce us to the four children in your household? <laughs> sure. Um, my four kids are now 17, 14, 12, and 12. Um, when I sort of started on the entire journey that led to the book, I would say they were more like, you know, 10 and 7 and 5 and 5. That sounds about right. Yeah. So you know, it's been, it's been, it's been an odyssey, the whole, the whole thing, but yeah, that's where they are. And I, you know, I learned a lot from writing this book. I am sort of personally happier in a lot of different ways. And we do a lot of things differently. It's also, you know, it's just, it's a different, the challenges are different as your kids get older, undoubtedly. Yeah. I, I was like looking through, I want to say the barrel, but that sounds so dark. I just <laughs> like I have for new listeners an almost five year old, and I have a one year old. She just turned one in July, and it was fun reading this book because you talk about the challenges in the early days, but then yeah, also getting to see what is it going to be like when we're driving these kids all over town. I feel like your next book should be called Hockey Mom for sure. <laughs> yeah. I've thought about how to be a hockey mom as an absolutely, yeah. It would have a lot of slow cooker recipes. 
<laughs> well, I need to get on that train, by the way. I know that that's a big thing now. The Instapot, right? Yeah, like, I have one. I don't know. I, I mostly sort of still use it as a slow cooker because that's, it's to me, it's just a faster slow cooker. I'm sort of, this will be the first winter properly of this of the Instapot. So maybe it'll. Yeah, you'll have to report back. Exactly. <laughs> and you said that your two daughters are the same age. Can you share a little bit about what you just said? It was, it's been an odyssey, but even the beginning of this was such an odyssey. You write in the book about traveling to China. Right. Actually, my youngest daughter, my younger daughter and my younger son are, uh, they're the ones that are the same age now. My okay. older daughter and my younger daughter are pretty close in age. So, um, you know, if, if we had this conversation in two months, I'd be telling you that my kids were 12, 13, 14 and 17. So it just sort of varies. And so I have three that are within 20 months of each other. They're they're pretty tight. Wow. But you went to China and how old were your children when you went to China, I could not believe that you were able to get through this because we just, I was just telling <laughs> listeners that we took a simple flight, a nonstop flight back from Detroit to Los Angeles. And that was almost the end of me. And then I'm reading about how you went to China because you were adopting your youngest and you ended up in quarantine. We did. Yeah. Um, yes, the kids were eight five and three at the time. And I, you know, it seemed like such a great idea and I don't regret it, but I'm not sure I would recommend it. And they were pretty well, they're pretty decently traveled kids, even, even at that age, they've been on a lot of planes. They'd never been quarantined in a former Chinese resort hotel that had been abandoned for many years. (laughs) So that was new for all of us. Uh, you know, they'd never really spent the night in a Chinese hospital with a lock on the door, but Hey, experiences. I keep teasing my poor three-year-old. It's like, oh, you know, I mean, he's he's twelve now. I'm like, man, you had the experience you'll be dining out on for the rest of your life when you were three. I don't know how you're going to top that. Yeah, you know, we sort of we got through that. And some of the things that I always say about that, the kind of set pieces, are that once you've seen your kids just eat the food that's in front of them for ten days because there isn't anything else, you will never cook anything special for them again. I mean, <laughs> I know they can eat, like. You know, and and I'm not. There's a lot of different sort of. Pick, I actually was a pretty picky eater myself, so I'm not like saying, and it's your fault if your children are picky. It's just different. Sort of once you've seen them kind of make do. It's not like they ate everything that was presented to them, but once you've seen them make do, you're like, you know, you can make do. And it's a very rare American child that has is mal, specifically sort of vitamin wise malnourished. And again, that's we can. There's a lot of sort of a lot of angles that you can go from that with that. But once you've seen that, you're like, I'm not going to I'm not, you know, um, you can eat what's on the table. You can eat something from what's on the table or you cannot eat from what's on the table and you can eat your next meal and you're going to be fine. Since we keep circling around food right now, I want to go ahead and mention your chapter on meal planning. And again, I got this sense of dread because I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought it through that I'm going to have to feed these people until they go to college. I am. I hate the kitchen. I hate cooking. I'm terrible at it. I want to share this moment in your book where you write, I am a... F- I'm a fanatical weekday meal planner, particularly during hockey season with all four kids playing. Afternoons and evenings become a cantata of pickups and drop-offs and precision timing. Every Sunday, I map out the week. Who will be home for a sit-down dinner? Which nights? Which nights require a dinner that can be eaten in shifts? 
when will I be home to cook? When can I do some meal prep during the day? And when do we need a meal that can be ready within five minutes of my walking in the door or pulled together by a child? When will I just not want to cook? And then you put in parentheses, Friday, every time. And I was like, oh my God, having four kids is as much work as I imagine it would be. So what are some suggestions you have for parents for how we can be a little happier in the kitchen? Well, so that's a funny chapter and an interesting area because there are people who love to have their meals planned, and I am one of them. And there are people who hate to have their meals planned, and I talked to a bunch of them. <laughs> and they all have, you know, either A, they're really unhappy in this area, or B, they've come up with strategies. Like the people who hate to have, like they hate knowing, they don't want to know what's for dinner. Like that really makes them crazy. I don't understand that, but that's out there, and that's cool. They, um, they'll have like six things that they know could be for dinner that they, you know, so, so if they're, if they're sort of in a good place with that, that's their strategy. And, and if it were me, I would have to list them because I wouldn't even be able to remember what those were. And some weeks I've, I've done that. If you know, you're me and you really like, I, I just, at five o'clock, I can't make a decision. I mean, we're lucky if I can remember your name. I can't, I can't decide what's for dinner, let alone figure out like what's in the kitchen and what I could cook. So I need to have done that at a moment when like, you know, my mind is clear. So I do, I make a list on the fridge and it's also nice because people know what's for dinner. So I make a list on the fridge at the beginning of every week and it does, it takes into account sort of all those moving pieces. And the funny thing is that makes people think I'm making some glorious homemade meal every night. No, 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 no. Some nights it's like, you know, lasagna from Whole Foods. Done. That sounds great. And you know, the only thing you have to do with that is like turn the oven on at the right time and shove it in. Or um, I make my taco meat in the slow cooker. So that just when that's on the menu in the morning, the things go in the slow cooker, the slow cooker turns on and I don't have to. Yeah, that, that's that's just that's just done. Now, speaking of mornings, you I love that you kick off this book with how can we make mornings a little easier because they they really can be the worst part of our day. And it's supposed to like kick off our day. I, I just, oh, my four and a half year old has been waking up very, very early. Ouch. I think because we made the mistake on weekends of letting her watch a movie in the morning because we wanted to sleep in. And so now we have this, we've created a monster who thinks she can, I mean, it's, so now we don't let her watch anything, but she's just, I don't know how to get, get her to go back to bed. She just won't. So listeners, if you have any suggestions for fun <laughs> activities that my eldest can do in her room by herself in the morning, please shoot them at me. Well, I say in the book, our oldest child like every morning for I don't know how long after his younger sister was born. So this would have been when he was three and, and maybe early four, you know, because and we had the baby who was not sleeping through the night. He would wake up at, you know, 430 or five in the morning and one of us would stagger up, prop him up on the TV, you know, in on the sofa, yeah. literally bring in a plastic tray of food, set it on the sofa, turn on uh, you know, I, I don't remember what it, PBS kids or yeah. whatever his thing of choice was. And just the, the longer he sat there, the better off we were. We didn't care about the American Academy of Pediatricians and how long he was supposed to be Screen because time. we were dying here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were getting no sleep. And so every, every minute that he sat there was a victory and he is 17. He's fine. It He's doesn't totally seem fine. to he does not, I might add, get up every morning expecting someone to give him a tray of food and set him in front of the TV. That's it. 
So this is not like become some sort of lifetime habit. He's not, he's not fat, he doesn't have ADHD, any of the things that you're scared of, most of right. which, if you really look at the research, that's, there's, that's really not where these things are coming from. He's fine. Fine. And I love that it's a running theme you have throughout the book, that they're fine. Like you talk about how at a restaurant, you know, you would try to teach your child to eat with you at the restaurant and not pull out, you know, the tablet. Yeah, that was so important to us. It was like this really big deal. But we had these friends just propped it up, you know, here you go, kid. Here's Dora. Here's your headphones. Here are your Cheerios. We're eating here. Yeah. And that that child is also 17. Also fine. Does not watch Dora the Explorer or anything (laughs) while eating a meal in a restaurant. Doesn't even like stare at her phone. Yeah. Really not scarred for life. It's a little depressing for us since we worked so hard not to do that. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. And then it's also, speaking of the early mornings, one tip you got from a parent that I thought was great, although I want to find a way to make it more environmental, uh, the parent would put saran wrap over the cereal bowls the night before. And I was like, oh, that's genius. Well, so here's what you could do. You could put the bowl out because I I used to, when I controlled, like when, back when my husband used to do the mornings and they were really complicated. And then on the days when I would have to do them because he was out of town, I would get everything out. Um, If it had been me, I think I would have put the cereal bowl out and put the cereal in like a baggie. Mm -hmm. And then I just would have reused the baggie. Brilliant. Yeah. So there you go. I, I probably could handle pouring the cereal. I guess my friend's kids were really little at that point. She was like, just, just, just get up and eat. I love another of my friends who just said, we just don't do socks. Socks are bad. I agree, actually. This morning I was pulling, <laughs> I have a an image. This is where Instagram really gets me down. I was looking at a girlfriend's feed once and she had shared her, like her drawer of intimates. And I'm sure she was trying to be funny, but it was like everything was perfectly laid out. And I could not find matching socks today. And my daughter always calls me out on it. And I was like, socks are the worst. Like, if they're both ankle socks, then I'm having a good day. Like, the idea that I'm supposed to be matching socks myself, let alone for my children, it's too much. Yeah. No. It just, and and who knows? I mean, I have four children. I can't remember whose socks. At this point, there's literally a pile of socks on the dryer because I just announced it's find your own socks week because I don't know whose these are. And I am just not dealing with it. (laughs) I really would like, this goes so against the beautiful current trend of, you know, not being a gross consumer. You know, everyone's really starting to dial back on spending. And, you know, you when you buy something, you want to use it for as long as possible. I personally secretly would love it if we could just throw out all the socks once a year and start over. (laughs) But that that would get me in so much trouble. And I'm sorry, environmentalists. I didn't mean it. But wouldn't that's kind of my fantasy. Yeah. They're just socks are really hard. And I thought here all these great ideas and they just don't work for it. like give each kid a lot, you know, a, like a lingerie bag and they put all their socks in that and then you just return it. And that would make sense because you wouldn't lose them. But my kids won't put their socks in. I'm lucky they put anything in the laundry. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. Well, then that's so that but that might work really well for somebody else. So, yeah. Well, what did you find Not out every about tip in the book worked for me? Which I appreciate. And, you know, that was very refreshing. Tell us about chores. How do I get my daughter to do chores? Okay. 
The thing about chores that's really, really, really upsetting is that if (laughs) kids don't do them, it's actually not their fault. It's yours. Or let's just put this on me. When my kids don't do the chores, it's really, it's, 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 it's on me. I have not insisted that they do the chores. I have not made it clear that they need to do the chores. I have not sort of been consistent in my expectation. Um, I have not repeatedly asked them. I have given up. If, if so, because there really are two sort of separate goals. This was like for me the chore aha moment is that there are two things going on. First, you want help. And I mean, when your kids are little, you don't, it's not really help. It's quote, it's quote, quote help, but that's okay because you're going to get there and they can like stick their thing in the dishwasher. And even if they did that wrong, like at least it's, it's at the dishwasher. That's, you know, that's progress, right? Yes. Um, So when your kids are your age, it's, it's help, help, but still you want, you want help. You want them to do the job, whatever the job is. And so there's that. The other thing is that you would love for them to do it with a happy smile on their face and a whistle and not have to be nagged and reminded. Those are two totally separate things. We have to focus on that first one. We want help. We value their contribution to our household. We need them to contribute and they need to contribute. So the whiny or not whiny or nag or not nag, we have to like just sort of shove that aside and accept you're just going to have to nag. Mm. Um, and the thing is, we really, I, it is easier to do it yourself. Okay. Let's just own it. Especially, you know, with the five-year-old or whatever. I mean, for you, it's like actually easier to do it yourself. But even with like a 12-year-old, by the time they have whined as endlessly as they have about, you know, whatever, what did I ask somebody to do? To, oh, we have chickens. So it was clean out the chicken coop. And definitely, I mean, you know, at the end of the hour of complaint about cleaning out the chicken, would it have been, I'd have been done in 10 minutes. Right. And I wouldn't have had to listen either. So I, it's really hard to just stick to it there. But the thing is, we have to, it's actually, it's important for, for them and for us, because we feel cruddy when, when it feels like, like you're doing all the work and they're sitting around playing Fortnite or whatever, um, (laughs) That's or 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 watching Dora or yeah. or just watching any of it. That just doesn't feel good. And the truth is, it's not not just you're not like you're not raising the person you want to shoot out into the world either. And there is research about this. But even if you just think about it, I mean, you know, the boyfriend that you brought home who cleared his dishes from the table, he was way more popular than one who just sat. Mm-hmm. Right. That's important. It is important. And there was just that New York Times article about. Oh, girls getting paid less for doing their chores. Not that we should necessarily pay our children for doing their chores. But have you seen Another that yet? Oh, God, I'll <laughs> share it on Facebook. But it's a really interesting article about how girls are expected to do more housework and blah, blah, blah. It was pretty depressing. But yeah, wow. so it's very important for our boys. <laughs> well, readers can get my take on chores or listeners mm-hmm. can read my take on chores in the Times. I think this coming weekend, I'm not entirely sure when they're going to run it. Okay. I will share that link. About August 18th ish. So, Excellent. so that one, you know, it, that's out there because to me that, that was one of the chapters that I got the most out of writing. Although oddly, I got more out of it later when I read it for the audiobook mm. and just sort of sat there going, man, I'm not really doing that. Oh, shoot. I'm not really doing that either. Um, uh, so this is, it's, about it's, this the- is a constant a constant process. I had the funniest thing today where a friend dropped off her kid and she happened to show up when 
three of my four kids were doing thing, you know, doing chores, and the fourth was sort of was was arguing, but was about to go to chores. And I was just like, you know, you just walked in at like a good, like you know, if you'd come yesterday, it wouldn't have looked like this. If you come an hour ago, it wouldn't have looked like this. So that must feel funny. good. Those moments she, when she knows me pretty well. No, oh. she knew. <laughs> Bummer. I can't fool her. But this idea of being held accountable also is a through line of the book. And it's annoying. I got to tell you, KJ, it's so annoying. <laughs> like when you talk about screen time and sort of, and oh, this this really stuck with me. The You say, remember, your future drivers are watching. Uh-huh. So they're, you know, the toddler in the backseat is watching your behavior on your phone. And that really got to me. Also, I'll admit that last week, Sabrina was drawing her family probably in the morning because I I came into her bedroom and my husband was like, Sabrina, sh- show mommy what you drew and, and what, what mommy's doing. And mommy was sleeping with her phone. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my God. And it's because she comes in in the morning and I'll pretend like I'll be like checking my email already, but I'll pretend like I, and then I'll drop my phone and pretend like I'm sleeping because I don't want to deal with her. <laughs> so there's that is so really many funny. There's so many layers to how this is like awful, but <laughs> with screen time and being held accountable, I love the idea of you know reading things, and you know we talked about this actually with Anya Kaminitz about screen time, like you know, get out the actual paper instead of reading it on your phone so the kids can see that you're actually doing things that matter because they just see you staring at a screen. Can we talk about our responsibility and what we share about our kids? Because that's really hard. I have a parenting Mm -hmm. podcast, KJ, and like there's so much good material I'm just leaving for my family. And I know that that's a good thing and I should just keep all these videos to myself, but I'm telling you, I could go so viral if I shared just one monologue of Sabrina on our drive home from school. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel like I'm lucky that social media didn't really fully hit when my kids were tiny and adorable. Yeah, they're adorable. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't have to to deal with that. But yeah, it's so I have sort of well, there's so much to say there yeah. around screen time. And one thing is I really um Definitely with the driving, that's a really, that's a, that's a, there aren't very many absolutes in the world, but if your kids are watching you text and drive, even when they're tiny, then you're telling them it's okay for them to text and drive when they're 16. And I guarantee you, you don't think that not you personally, but you know, I don't think that like the minute that sort of dawned on me, I was like, I'm putting my book, I'm putting my phone in the glove compartment for God's sake. My, my, you know, my beloved son is driving around in a car. I don't want him looking. Oh, the the thought just. Yeah. You know, what, what got me was thinking about how she loves, Sabrina loves listening to Spotify. Like her favorite thing to do is to sing like who runs the world girls, you know, Beyonce. <laughs> and, uh, and so she's always whining about wanting me to put on her playlist. And that's when I was like, oh, like, yeah, glove compartment. Like, because, or pull over and just make it super annoying for everyone. But she, because I will admit that there have been times when I'll like mess with my phone to press play on a song and that's not okay. 
Yeah, you have to really, well, I mean, I make a big, I make a point of, of pulling over if I want a new podcast or whatever, um, especially, but it becomes like the older they get, the more you're really thinking about it. So that's a big deal. And then with the, yeah, with the sharing, I mean, part of me, a big, all of me actually thinks that there is going to be such a glut of sort of potty training information available about any given, um, you know, 25 year old in 10 years yeah. that, or 20 years, that right. won't matter. It's not like your employers are going to be searching that and your friends aren't going to find it and whatnot. But our kids really do, um, it bothers them. I think what I heard from kids and parents and people who had studied this, all of whom I talked to, was that the kids are sort of bothered in unexpected ways by realizing that moments of their life are public that they didn't have any reason to think would be. So I gave the example in the book of like your, your, um, you know, your rabbi or your priest asking your nine-year-old if they're going to do better on next week's spelling test. And the nine-year-old is like, did God tell you, <laughs> you know, like how did you, yeah. and that's not, uh, oh you know, God. or Hey, I hear the tooth fairy took your tooth and you were pretty upset about it. I mean, those are cute. And I, it's, it's like fun to share that stuff. But on the other hand, when it sort of starts coming back to the kids, they're like, what, why do people know these things about me? I think it's it's confusing and it's weird. And a lot of them, as they get older, that's it's not what they want. Yeah, suddenly they're in the Truman Show. I mean, what is that going to yeah. do psychologically? And for a lot of kids, it happens younger than you'd think. I mean, you think, oh, sure, you know, that's your 13-year-old. And the truth is, my... I mean, I have two 12-year-olds. One of them, I think, we. I always ask, and I don't actually share very many kid images. Um, I think one of them could care less, and the other one would say no to anything. Like, just no, 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 no. Um, so, yeah, it, it really varies. You know, we're talking about technology, and then when it comes to discipline, I'd love to read this quote of yours, which is, in many respects, we face a different disciplinary landscape than our parents. Technology is part of it as are changing norms about how people speak to one another, how they behave and dress in public, and how the people and institutions around us treat questions around discipline and authority. Where a few decades or less ago, a student who rolled her eyes at a teacher could expect a detention, while a student who called a classmate fat would be met with a shrug, today those responses are reversed. So why... I am now not shrugging off when my daughter is saying like mean things to me. I did for such a long time. And now I feel like I have to like not let anything slide that she wouldn't say. If she wouldn't say it to a teacher, then she shouldn't say it to me. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, That's that's a tough one. I let a lot of things slide on that. I mean, my daughter's 14. If I didn't let a lot of things slide, we'd just be at each other's throats constantly. Yeah. It's, so I think it's different. I think you want your five-year-old to treat you with respect. And then as they get older, you know, there, there sort of comes a time when you're like, this is a kid blowing off steam. I'm going to try not to take it personally. I'm going to leave. I don't listen. You know, okay. So you just don't out. listen. Right. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, I'm that's what I always not. did. But now I feel like she thinks she can say these awful things to me. Yeah. That <sighs> does sound bad. This morning she goes, I hope you have a terrible day. And of course, the urge is to go, yeah, oh, I hope you have a terrible day, too. <laughs> I don't say immediately like, we go to a really mature place, right? Right. No, no baking cookies this afternoon. But, you know, I do let a lot. I see this is where I am. I mean, and listeners can, you know, are going along the journey with me because I feel like 
I wasn't trying to be a permissive parent, but I was trying to let things just, you know, not bug me and let it slide if it's not a big deal. Because it's also not worth like ratcheting up my, you know, sympathetic nervous system in response, because that's not healthy for anyone to be like angry about these things. But I just wish I could check it. What with four children, like was one of, see, I want to ask you all these personal questions. What, (laughs) what did you, how would you get them not to say mean things to you, KJ, that she's hurting my feelings? Um, I think probably when they were little, I didn't let them say mean things to me. I think I probably, so here's, here's, I guess what I, what I think about that. And it's sort of, if you, if you would, like, if your mother were standing there and your kid said that, and you would respond differently than you do when your mother is not standing there, then there's, then that's where something's going wrong. Right. Like you don't want to, you don't want to give the response. That's all about like what other people think of you. Um, Mm -hmm. so if your kids are dissing you and like they did it in the grocery store and you'd be like, oh, I can't let people think that I let my kids talk to me that way. So I'll, you know, I'm going to react now, but I didn't react before. Then that's, that's confusing. So you kind of have to make, yeah, I guess you just have to make a choice. And even if it's like a big constant problem, I, I think that the experts that I talked to would say, well, sit down and say, this is how we're going to handle this in the future. You know, when you say mm-hmm. something that hurts my feelings, I'm going to say you hurt my feelings and then I'm going to walk away and close the door of my room and you're not going to come in or, you know, whatever it is that mm-hmm. you're going to do. Um, we had it sort of reminds me of these rules that we have around around meals, which is that you're not allowed to say anything mean about anything that I cooked. Oh, yeah, I love that. Tell it hurts everyone my feelings. Yeah. And also at the end of the day, I have a really short temper. So it's better if you just don't say anything. I mean, you know, sometimes I say something. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I really, sorry, guys, this is terrible. Let's get the peanut butter and jelly. That totally happens. But, um, you know, the the we'd let the kids not eat it, but we don't let them gripe about it. So maybe you're right with this standard of if you wouldn't say it, your teacher, you can't say it to me. But you sort of do get into that needing to let them blow off steam. So it's kind of a tough one to have a a black letter rule about. But I do feel like if if I was getting constantly slammed, I would probably, well, that would make me so unhappy. I would want to do something about it. I want to quickly share your podcast because I just found out about it and now I'm binge listening and we have a lot of creative moms. So your podcast is called Hashtag Am Writing. You know, my husband's a screenwriter and he's such an introvert. And I imagine that as a writer, you know, this new thing of having to be a digital marketer, it must be a living hell for most writers. And it's it's so much fun to be able to follow along in the podcast uh, on your process of launching this book. <laughs> Can you share with us just a little bit about your podcast? Because I think our moms would be super interested. Sure. It's called Hashtag I'm Writing, and I co-host it with Jessica Leahy, who, um, if you are a reader of books about family life and parenthood, she wrote The Gift of Failure. And so we've both done a lot of writing around parenting, but it's not by any means all of our our writing career. So the the podcast is about 
writing. We always say it's about writing all the things, short things, long things, books, articles, essays. We have a lot of guests. I don't think we've had a screenwriter yet. We've had a couple of TV writers, the Happier in Hollywood hosts. Yes. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, sort of on the famous people side, we've had David Sedaris and Richard Russo. So we've also had, we have a regular guest who is a genre romance writer, Serena Bowen. She's super successful. A lot of people you know, so and she's part self-published and part traditionally published. So really, we talk about the business of writing, the the challenges of getting it done, and then the sort of challenges of getting it out into the world. And we have such a good time with it. I love that you were even talking about, because I went way back, I think, to 2016, maybe, where you were talking about trying to build your email list. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is so cool to hear someone talk about you know, in the process of doing it, not just being like, this is what you need to do, but just sort of being like, well, this is what I did today. And this is how many people are following. Yeah, this like, is I how lo- it didn't work. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. refreshing. And okay. So speaking of, you know, the process of launching a book, our listeners can pre-order your book, How to Be a Happier Parent, Raising a Family, Having a Life, and Loving Almost Every Minute. And what Will are you know you've got you've got a cool thing going on. Tell us about what's up with the pre-orders. Yeah, so if you pre-order the book and then you send whatever proof you have of your pre-order to happierparent@gmail.com, and don't worry about remembering that because if you go on my website, you can't miss this. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you pre-order, you get a code to make a free chat book. If you guys don't know chat books, you totally should. They are little photo albums that you can make by from either like the favorites on your phone or from your Instagram, which comes out really neat because you can choose to put in all the captions um, or from your Facebook. They do a lot of there's sort of a lot of different ways for them to create an automatic book for you or you can create your own. So you get a code to do a free one. And the first thousand people that use it get that because we only have a thousand of them. Um, (laughs) And you get my guide to happier mornings, a little one pager. Oh, and what's really fun is you get this um, poster that it's not poster. It's like an eight by and a half by 11. But I used to have it on my kid's bathroom. And it's like 10 reasons you should get more sleep. And it's all about, you know, what, why kids should get more sleep. Because there's actually research that says if you talk to kids about why sleep is important, they really will you know, sort of making an effort to do more of it. So there's that. And there is this very fun sort of thing that we're running where we're asking people what would be in a happier parent's chocolate bar. So there's a little (laughs) checklist of different like options for a chocolate bar and what would make you happier? Would it be, you know, chili peppers because then your kids won't eat it or root beer because it's kind of like beer or coffee because coffee. Um, And everybody who pre-orders is entered to, to win a chocolate like swag bag. Um, We have quite a few of them, so I think a lot of people will get them. This is so fun. Okay, listeners, stick around. I'll be right back. But thank you so much, KJ, for coming on the show. Thank you. This was a really fun conversation. Okay, I'm going to take the next two weeks off because I'm going to try to do some housekeeping with the podcast. I have a lot of ideas of how I want to move things forward. And in order to do that, I just need to take a moment to think about it. So we will be returning. We're returning September 5th. Okay, everyone, I want to share your number one tips for how to be a happier parent. I realized that I should have had you all sign your names, especially on the Instagram ones. So if you're wondering who said what, check out our Facebook feed and our Instagram feed. Awesome. This is just going to be a lovely little uh, 
rambling monologue of your thoughts. Take 60 seconds a day to throw on a jam and dance with your kids. They'll remember how fun it was and the heart rate blast will get your endorphins up too. Use paper plates when you need a break. Leave dishes for hubby to do because he doesn't notice all the other stuff that drives me bananas, but will notice dishes. Have a friend you can randomly text whenever about anything and drink mocha. Listening to Atomic Moms? Question mark. Also, taking time away from our kid and having a grown-up vacation, even just a long weekend, makes me happier. Time to yourself every day. At night, I always spend some time alone with my favorite trashy TV shows and a drink. Now I want to know um, what Britney's trashy TV shows are. Oh my God, have you guys watched Catastrophe? It's, I, oh, it's my everything. Watch Catastrophe. I know I'm behind. It is so good. Okay, more of the shares. Remember that parenting isn't your whole world and your whole being. Take time for yourself each and every day. Make a game out of things, particularly cleanup. The amount of giggling during a tidying race is amazing. Remember to take time for yourself. Pick up a hobby and don't lose yourself in the chaos. Enjoy cuddles on the couch while watching a movie and either get up before everyone else or go to bed after everyone else and enjoy the me time. Develop and maintain a personal meditation practice. Messy is fun. Get messy every day. For me, it's to get out of the house. It can sound so much harder. We have so much more fun. We're happier and we don't destroy the house as much. Realizing that taking care of yourself is going to help you be more patient with your kids and probably stay off social media or recognize that it's a single moment. Have mom friends that you can share the struggle with. Embrace moderation, juice, lollipops, late bedtimes, unscheduled days. Just go with it because it will be okay. And then she says, wanted to add that my moderation list includes TV time for kids too. Focus on the good things instead of dwelling on the bad. Being grateful for the little things and appreciating life at every stage is what works for me. No negativity allowed. Couldn't agree more with everything above. Get out of the house. Self-care, moderation. Yes, yes, yes. Also, be a good observer of your child. Parent the child you have. See them for who they are and try to meet them where they are at, especially in regards to challenging behaviors. Sleep. I know, I know. It's an obvious one, but 11.45 p.m., procrastinating the breast pump, tumbling through the interwebs, doing quote-unquote mom research, me forgets how important it is. 6.30 a.m., patients testing tiny humans remind me daily of the obviousness of this suggestion. Having the courage to be disliked by your kids when they need a firm limit held for them will, will create a much happier overall experience at home. Making and maintaining great mom friendships. Meditating. Do you. Don't compare yourself to other moms or let other moms tell you how you should do things. We're all new at this and there's no one way to do it. Remember that every human is unique with different needs. What works for other children may not work with yours and that's okay. Do what works for your unique family and never apologize for putting them first. Get more help. Forget the books and the experts and your friends. If it doesn't feel right for your family, find something that does. There's no one way. If there were, there would only be one book. Cliché, but really do self-care. By the way, the the listener wrote cliché. I'm not commenting on the comments. Okay. Cliché, but really do self-care. 
do things that are important and exciting to you. When you become your happiest you, it will spill into parenting. I find I'm a much happier parent when I'm intellectually engaged with things other than my child. One easy way for me to do this on a daily basis is by using one earbud to listen to NPR or your favorite podcast, Winky Face, at the playground or other similar situations. I've been getting caught up in adult TV series like Succession. It helps balance out all the wholesome content I want for my kids. Also, I have a good girlfriend I can talk to regularly and vent and laugh at all the minutiae that make up our days. Fine, question mark. But seriously, the thing that helps me the most, the thing that helps the most for me is talking to my kids and explaining things in the world just as I would to my wife, friend, coworker, minus the swearing. It isn't always effective, but I find the most of the time when I say it's time to leave the park, time for dinner, baths, books, and bed, there are no tantrums, just okay, and home we go. Time outside, mood changer. Friends, a good comedy, time outside, sleep, good coffee. I still can't help but think that more money would mean more help, like housekeeping and childcare, which would make me happier too. Being present and seeing our kids for the curious little people that they are instead of the adults we want them to become. Completely agree with the above comments about time outside the house, especially outdoors. As hard as it can be to leave the house with kids, it's almost always totally worth the effort. Also, me time. Even if it's just a quiet shower without the baby parked in his chair next to the shower fussing at me. <laughs> also, those special conversations with the toddlers when he's in the mood, when I feel like we are really communicating. And coffee and wine, of course. Some uninterrupted exercise time for me. Some yoga once the youngin is asleep. Yoga with Adrian on YouTube has helped me so much to get my happy meter rising. Okay. Thank you all for sharing your tips for how to be a happier parent. Um, We should do that again sometime. All right, everybody, until next time, which is in two weeks, I want to see you on social media. I don't care if you go on Facebook or Instagram for anyone else. Like, go on for Atomic Moms uh, or I'll I'll get, like, weird um, separation anxiety from you guys. Okay. Until next time, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms.